Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. What's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the Daily Dose of the Must Read Alaska podcast. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining with me today. Before we begin, you know my ask, my plea. If you have just a moment, please give us a five-star review. It helps tremendously. We've got 85. We're working towards 100 by the end of the year, and we need you to be able to make that possible. Uh, if you want to take a, just an additional step and help us a little bit more, you can leave us a written review. We love hearing from our listeners. It's been overwhelmingly positive, and we appreciate every single one of you. Well, we are heading into another what seems to be a crazy, crazy week, and it's centered around Anchorage politics. But before we even get into that, let's just, let's just break it down. We have been hearing nights and nights of testimony, public testimony, from residents in the municipality about how many of them, the majority of them, at least in the public testimony side, do not want a public, I guess let's just, let's just what it is, a mask law. They do not want a mask law. They don't want this mandate that is being proposed, AO 2021-91. They do not want it. However, there are so many storylines that are interplaying right now. And as of today, we have so many different types of stories coming out from this main narrative of this AO 2021-91. And one of those is the fact that the Assembly is now going to use $50,000 of taxpayer money to hire a legal firm to look into the Bronson administration's practices on processes and so forth. You can find this on mustreadalaska.com. It's under the heading Chair of France intends to take legal action against mayor, plans to hire a law firm to sue over separations of power issues. Now listen, I don't think you need to hear me say this anymore, but I have to. A good communicator repeats and beats the same message over and over again. And here's the message. The lack of self-awareness on this assembly it, it, it almost hurts now. It hurts to think of the fact that this assembly has zero self-awareness. The majority of them have no idea how the actions they are taking look so poorly upon them. They can't see the irony in these actions. And this, my friends, is just another example of that. Okay, So Suzanne Downing writes about this under that heading. She, meaning Suzanne LaFrance, We'll introduce a memorandum at the October 20th meeting to spend $50,000 of, you guessed it, not her money, but taxpayer money, to hire Birch, Horton, Bittner, and Sherratt to provide legal counsel to the Assembly regarding how, quote, the new mayor's administration organizes and implements operations, administrative, and policy changes. LaFrance said in the memorandum that, the Assembly will vote on that members of the administration have exasperated some duties over legislative and executive branch functions and authorities. Listen, you have got to be kidding me right now. I mean, it's not even a joke anymore. I, I, I don't actually think they're in on the joke. 
I honestly don't. It was sort of this like cute Michael Scott, The Office, you know, uh, banter back and forth where it seems like Michael Scott's in on the joke and, and is having a good time. No. That's not what this feels like anymore. This feels like they are so tone deaf, so out of their element in terms of being or having any self-awareness, period, that they actually think this is a good use of taxpayer money. Now, keep in mind, there are two ordinances still out there that are going to be discussed tonight at tonight's assembly meeting that show a gross overreach of the legislative branch into the executive branch. Let's break that down. AO 2021-91. I'm sorry, dash 90. And in this, the assembly seeks, the, well, the majority of them actually, not the entire assembly, but the majority of them seek to control meeting spaces. Now, the mayor's office, the administration, is normally in control of all meeting spaces and all governed by the mayor's office. But the assembly wants to limit what? Well, they want to limit public testimony. They want to have control of where they, not only just where they meet, but the spaces, what they could do with them. Talk about a gross overreach of legislative branch into the executive branch. When clearly, when clearly meeting spaces and governance buildings are controlled under the mayor, the executive branch. It's written in the article here. In AO 2021-90, the Assembly Majority seeks to take control of its own meeting space, which is currently governed by the mayor's office. The Assembly Majority wants to limit the number of the public that are allowed in the room and force them to wear masks, but first must pass an ordinance giving itself that authority. You have got to be kidding me. This is the same article where LaFrance is going to hire using our money, our money, taxpayer money, an outside firm to review, to snoop around and try to find disputes with the administration on how they do operations, administrative, and policy changes. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, it doesn't stop there, though. It does not stop there. Here's what else happens, okay? Here's what else is going on. There's another ordinance in the works, and that's AO 2021-92. And that would force, that ordinance forces the mayor to sub- submit his employees for confirmation immediately, which is not the case right now, so that they may not remain in the actual position for several weeks before being confirmed or voted down. So currently what we have is the ability for the mayor to have appointees that are enacted in the role for several weeks before the confirmation process. And that confirmation process is headed over to the assembly. Well, the assembly doesn't like that. The assembly doesn't like that. So they're trying, once again, to take legislative power and overreach it into the executive branch. Suzanne writes, AO 2021-92 has the assembly seeking to force the mayor to submit his appointees for confirmation immediately so they do not remain in an acting position for several weeks before being confirmed or voted down. That, my friends, is another gross overreach of legislative power. You have AO 2021-90, AO 2021-92, which are both trying to extend legislative power into the executive sphere. Come on. This is crazy. This is crazy. And again, the idea that they're going to hire an outside firm to look at the mayor's practices 
in these three areas, again, I tell you, they're going to look at how the mayor implements operations, administrative, and policy changes so that they could snoop around and try to find something to sue the mayor on. They want to take legal action. But at the same time, having the audacity to have legislative power overreach into the executive side of things. You can't make this up. You really can't make this up. Meanwhile, our mayor, Mayor Bronson, is trying to settle what seems to be smoke starting from a fire here. And that fire, really a lot of that's coming from AO 2021-91, the mass law. He's trying to quell that fire and doing so through the fact that you've heard testimony from both healthcare uh, professionals that are for the mass mandate, healthcare professionals that are against the mass mandate, and everything in between. And so he's right now trying to quell that. We have an article up called Mayor Bronson Calls for Calm, Compassion on Both Sides of COVID Debate. And in the article, he writes this. This is from his, his statement. Good health care begins with trust between a patient and their physician. People should not be afraid that their doctors, hospitals, or health care providers might treat them differently because of their politics or personal choice, in particular the COVID vaccination status. On the other hand, healthcare providers who have been on the front lines of this pandemic since it began deserves our respect and our support. Patients should not be afraid of their doctor, and healthcare workers should feel as they are appreciated by those they help. We agree that vaccination is the best way to reduce COVID infections, serious illness, and death, and strongly encourage everyone in consultation with their healthcare provider to get vaccinated. We also ask that each of our healthcare institutions reaffirm their commitment in these tense times to treat every patient with dignity, compassion, and respect regardless of creed or personal belief. We stand together with you to see our city through this with our, with our strongest unity or with our strongest united. Listen, this is a simple call for quorum and dignity on both sides of the aisle. We have seen on both sides doing tremendous things that are hurting the ability for our health care providers, but also for patients to get care. And we've gone over stories, University of Denver or Colorado, I believe, uh, denying transplant patients kidneys because they're unvaccinated. We've seen healthcare workers here in the city state to other healthcare workers that they would choose a vaccinated room over an unvaccinated room. They would not They'd go in the vaccinated room first, showing a bias. We've seen in this ordinance, AO 2021-91, use very, I would say, toxic language. If we're going to use that word toxic for everything now, toxic language that separates vaccinated versus unvaccinated. I've told you this before, page 5, section 4, exemptions, item F. And I repeat, employers who, excuse me, People who have had the vaccination, may COVID, that is vaccination, or COVID shots, may gather together in a separate room without a mask, separated from the general public and the unvaccinated. Sharp language there. If employers want to utilize this, they must be able to confirm that those in the separate room without a mask have been vaccinated. Again, the kicker and the lack of self-awareness in this, without violating the anti-discrimination laws. Well, you're violating it already by asking them to separate. I mean, come on. There's so many things that are wrong with that sentence. But again, sharp language. And Bronson's saying here, listen, we are in a place where we have the right to choose. And again, the irony, there's so much wrong with this. So many things that lack self-awareness and everything that's going on here, particularly from the left. The left is picking and choosing my body, my choice statements. They're picking and choosing it. They are. 
It's good for one side if you're on a certain side of the debate. It's bad for the other if you're on a certain side of the debate. It's just a reality, and it's frustrating. It's super frustrating because what it is, it's a moving of the goalpost that favors whatever argument you want to win. And people are frustrated by it. I certainly don't blame them. Because what is truth? There is no truth anymore. It's all either what tribe you want to win or what you want, quote, your truth to be. And the reality is it just doesn't work. And, I mean, it's gaslighting at its finest. It seriously is gaslighting at its finest. You, The assembly decides that it's going to create ordinances that mandate masking. Then what ends up happening? Well, what ends up happening is, is that the public gets frustrated because they've been masked, unmasked, masked, unmasked. They've been trying to comply. They finally feel like they're getting back to normal. There's a sudden spike, which we'll get to where that's going now. And now the assembly wants to take control and mask people and not give anybody the option. And people are upset, and then they get upset that people are upset. I mean, gaslighting 101. It really is. And then they're, they're frustrated with the fact that the public is coming out to uh, speak their mind on this. And so now they gaslight the actual process of passing laws. They don't want to hear from the public anymore. So they're going to try to slip things through because they don't want to hear that the public is against it or for it, for that matter. Most of them are okay with it being for it. But it's just amazing. And this continues. And this continues. So Bronson is pretty much saying, listen, can we come together at some point? Are we going to continue playing this tribal warfare where... It's I want my team to win at all costs, and I'm not going to have any reason or logic behind my, my decisions or my explanations. It's just I will defend it to the end regardless of its truth and righteousness uh, or it being you know, reasonable at all. No. And that, again, you've heard this before. The logic is gone. We have lost the ability to have reason, which... Again, I, I, it's, it's, it's the crumbling of society in that sense. When we are just tribal and we're, we go with groupthink, this is what you get. Groupthink lacks logic. It does. When you tell somebody who's unvaccinated that walks into a room full of vaccinated people that they're the problem, that seems illogical to me. When by all accounts, I'm being told that the vaccination and masking is going to prevent either illness or prevent any sort of severe symptoms as well. It's amazing to me. In conjunction with this healthcare request from Bronson in terms of, hey, can we all just get along? We continue our jab or no jab series, and I, and I encourage you to read this latest one, The Growing Unvaccinated Worker Underground's Founder Speaks. And I'm, I'm going to have you read it, but I'm going to break it down for you. There is a group of people that is now raging to about 180 who are unvaccinated healthcare workers that are meeting underground to start sharing information and to start talking about what they can do with the fact that for the last year, most of them have been fighting in the front lines, unvaccinated, putting themselves at risk fighting in the front lines for those who have gotten COVID all the way back into April, March, and probably even earlier. We just didn't know it. And they're now being forced to get a vaccine that they don't want 
or they're going to lose their job. I mean, come on. These people have been fighting for other people's lives, helping constantly. And now because they don't want to take the vaccine, they're making a choice. And I said this before. It's as easy as them signing a waiver. But nope, we've got to make our point. We're going to get everybody vaccinated, even though these same people have been on the front lines for over a year now, helping those who have contracted COVID and probably contracted it themselves. They're going to be kicked out, lose their jobs after everything they've done. It's amazing to me. What a turn of events. What a, what a way to backstab the people who have helped this community. Oh, hey, thank you for your service. Thank you for putting your health on the line for the last year and a half. But uh, because you don't want to do this thing, you're out. Thank you for your service. Goodbye. I mean, what a crappy way to go. And what a crappy organization to do that. It is crappy. It is. I wasn't on the front lines. I wasn't sitting there taking care of people who were sick, who didn't know what was going on, who were scared to death, sitting there with my medical mask on, no vaccine for over a, for a year at least. And now because I don't want to take the vaccine because I've been exposed so much and maybe, I don't know, could have qu- quite the immunity, you're going to kick me out? You're going you're gonna to make me lose my job? What a bunch of crap. But here we are. And so there's 180 of these individuals getting together. And they're asking questions. And again, I encourage you to read it. It's under Jab or No Jab Part 12. The Growing Unvaccinated Worker Founders Underground is an underground group speaks. And she writes this article. It's pretty compelling. And so here's some of the questions that don't make sense to this group. It don't make sense to this person, Jill, quote unquote. Why patients who are in car accidents and come in with broken legs are placed in a COVID bed just because they tested positive for COVID upon admittance? There's another question. Why every patient is tested and yet for months on end, none of the employees have been tested and they're exposed to patients all day long, every day. Another question. Why the medical exemption form has only two reasons a person can be exempt. One, they've had a previous dose of the vaccine and had an adverse reaction. Or two, they have a known uh, anaphylactic allergy to a component in the vaccine. By the way, just keep in mind, this vaccine is an mRNA vaccine. How do you know what adverse anaphylactic allergy you have to an mRNA vaccine? Now, maybe some of the things in the vaccine. I know egg is in vaccines uh, in the past that could cause an adverse reaction. But I'm just saying. I mean, these are some of the great questions that they're asking. Jill goes on to say, there are a lot of people in the same boat, meaning having an autoimmune disease or having a reason they don't want the vaccination. They have a medical reason, an autoimmune condition. They're pregnant or it's simply their choice. They don't want it. Jill wants people to know that the vaccine being used are actually not completely approved. And that's true, by the way. There is no FDA-approved vaccine out there right now. This is the emergency exemption use that's being deployed. The FDA-approved one is not being used right now. It says this in the article. The FDA says that the Pfizer vaccine has the same formula as the emergency use authorization Pfizer vaccine being used and is interchangeable. 
The FDA also says providers can use doses distributed under EUA, the emergency use authorization, to administer the vaccine series as if the doses were the licensed vaccine. For purposes of administration, doses distributed under the EUA are interchangeable with the licensed dose. At least that's what they say. But Jill doesn't think this is good enough. She wants more studies and more time. Again, I'm reading from the article. I want to see who is funding the studies and not studies that go back to Bill and Melinda Gates. Good point. I would highly recommend reading this article. Jill is a healthcare professional, so you can try to downgrade all you want. But she's in the field. She knows what's going on. I'm sure she's reading studies on this. I'm sure many of the people in this underground group are well aware of the studies. There's a lot of studies that conflict. There's this, there's this kind of narrative out there that, oh, the studies are in. Well, no, they're not. As a matter of fact, a lot of studies are pointing to, like Sweden, that herd immunity and the lack of vaccine is actually helping more so than the vaccine itself. You can look it up. Look at some of the studies in Sweden. I mean, it's pretty powerful stuff. So I would recommend you go ahead and do that. Um, I'm closing in on time here. <clears throat> but that's the Jab or No Jab Part 12 series, the, the growing unvaccinated worker underground speaker uh, founder speaks. Well, speaking of COVID, let's talk about the trajectory of where we're at right now. And once again, a seemingly unsurprising number comes out, and it's trending towards less and less COVID cases. I want to, if you want all the data and all the graphs, I'd recommend going to Must Read Alaska. It's under the article Alaska's COVID. Official COVID positive count falls to 464. So let's read some of this. Let's get into the numbers, okay? The state of Alaska COVID dashboard reports only 464 positive diagnoses of COVID-19 yesterday. That is, that is almost half cut in half from where we were on Friday. And the weekly drop is 9% over the previous week. There have been 4,239 positive tests in the past seven days. Keep in mind, that is the seven-day accumulation. But some of these are repeat tests. A week ago, 857 people were identified with new COVID infections, and that was a 28% drop from the week prior. The count reported for Friday was 792, as opposed to Monday, which is 464, almost a 50% drop. 186 Alaskans are hospitalized with COVID, with 26 on ventilators. Seven days ago, 194 were hospitalized with 38 on ventilators. So, I mean, it's just clearly showing that the numbers are dropping. And they're dropping pretty significantly right now, which tells us what? Well, it's pretty simple. That sharp spike is now decreasing sharply as well. I mean, from Friday to, to Monday, we have nearly half of the cases that we had so Monday is reported 464, Friday reported 792. And I think we're going to see this. There might be a little hiccups here and here. For the most part, you're starting to see a downward trend. You really are starting to see a downward trend. And it's going to be interesting because the hospitalizations by month are starting to dramatically decrease as well. So what does that mean? Scott, why, why, do I, why should I care about this? Well, I think it's pretty obvious why you should care about this. You should care about it because this directly affects the reason to have a mask law, right? 
And I think this was the point of why so many people came out to testify. Look what's happened over the last seven days. Look what's happened. We are starting to see decreases in what's going on in terms of positive COVID tests without a mask mandate. Without one. What does that tell you? You don't need one. Now, the shining jewel of what happened in 2020 was in the convenience of having a mask mandate. You could use that as a tool to say, look, we masked and look, it dropped versus the natural curve of a spike. Right? So what's happened this time around? What's different? Well, the people have decided they're going to try to push this out. Must Read Alaska has dubbed it the people's filibuster. And what you're starting to see is the fact that cases are dropping significantly. Cases, hospitalizations, people on ventilators. All of it is dropping significantly. So, again, what this is doing is showing two things. Number one is that there are natural spikes that are going to happen with COVID. It's just going to happen. You had a Delta variant. It was bound to happen in Alaska. There was going to be an uptick. The other thing is that without masking, we've seen a similar spike, right? So let's just, let's just take the example here, okay? <clears throat> when we look at hospitalizations, if you look at it from 2020, the spike in 2020, which was around late September, October, into November, into December, it was the first form of COVID. It was considered less contagious than the Delta variant, less transmittable, but still fairly transmittable. And you saw a spike. Then what happened? Well, 2021 rolls around, and then you have this spike in late in October, sorry, in August into September. And it was a pretty sharp spike. July started the uptick. August started a real uptick. And then September was our highest month. But now you're starting to see a downtick in all of this. So what does that tell you? Well, it's following a similar path as to the spike in 2020 in that October, November, December. And because of the transmittability of the virus and its variant, you're going to have more. And that's what happened. A more transmittable virus, it's going to affect more people, and it's going to have a, a similar arc, but just steeper. And that's what's happening. So the question is, is are you really, are we really needing this mask mandate? That's what it really means. Do we really need this? And so that's the question that we've got to answer. And I think the assembly, regardless, listen, it could be down to 200 cases and it might be over the next two to three days. I don't know. You might see a dramatic drop. You've already seen half almost half, 50% drop between Friday and Monday. Let's just say 42%. I don't know, I'm making it up. It's somewhere between that 40 and 50% range drop. Now, now, you could see it even more. So what happens when cases drop and drop and drop and we've got this mass mandate and you can't say, you can't say now that the decrease in case count is because of the mask mandate, because it's not. That's the question the assembly has to answer. And I don't think... It has enough self-awareness to actually go, you know what? We've got through this. We got through this spike. We didn't have a mass mandate. And now we're back 
down with cases. Hospitalizations are lower. And here's the curious thing, people. Here's what I want to ask you. I'm going to end on this because I'm running out of time. Here's what I want to ask you. Keep this in mind. The narrative through this spike has been our hospitals are being overrun. Right? The illusion that all our beds are taken up. We don't have, a, we, we don't have beds. We don't have this. We, we don't have enough room. We're at, a, we're at a real bend but don't break moment. Is that going to change? Meaning this. Once the spike is done, I'd be curious if Providence or AMNC, are they going to have the same issues? Meaning, if we were to ask them, hey, what's your capacity right now, now that the spike's done? Are they going to tell us, oh, we've got all these beds freed up? Or are they going to say, oh, we're packed again, but it's flu this time, or it's something else, or maybe it's the fact that's how hospitals run operationally, or is it the fact that they've lost 25% of their workforce, or maybe they do that year over year, and now they have even a higher deficit. You got to ask these questions, because at the end of the day, it's easy to create a message when you don't have to prove it. Or when you don't have the longevity to prove it. But now, these are some serious questions. So from there, I think it's really important to ask. Well, it'll be interesting what happens tonight. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about tomorrow. But until then, take care, Alaska. <laughs>